listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Imagine going to your pharmacy for a blood test, having a small amount of blood taken from your finger instead of tubes from your arm, and then getting medically accurate results on your smartphone the same day. Now that's blood testing reimagined. You know, there's been a surge of pharmacists out there and consultant pharmacists out there who are building coaching services. They're helping other pharmacies build their entrepreneurial tracks and businesses. Um, We have community pharmacies that are looking to build better relationships with their hospital systems. Um, We have specialty pharmacy that has technology and digital therapeutics that are building uh, new modalities of treatment. If you're in pharmacy right now, if you're in healthcare right now, we're part of a really special trend of changes and transformation and and i recognize it i was here way back in 2004 and i'll tell you what it wasn't like this this is this is an exciting time and i'm a glass half full kind of guy and i see a tremendous amount of potential for better patient care there's an organization out there that we are so proud to have part of our content generation and expertise in the realm of blood testing and how it's becoming reimagined and re-envisioned and repositioned and becoming a lot more intimate part of total healthcare for communities. And what better place to, to, to partner with than pharmacies in those communities um, in order to bring blood testing to this. So once again, BAPS and Diagnostics uh, coming back to the Pharmacy Podcast Network to really share with us um, what's coming and how community pharmacists are often overlooked. We know this as vital roles that they play in the healthcare system and how uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic showed the entire nation, the force that the U.S. Pharmacy can become, our pharmacists can become. The national uh, chain pharmacies stepped up in working with health systems, the community Independent pharmacies stepped up. The long-term care pharmacies helped out so many of those nursing homes that were going through um, what we all remember during the height of the pandemic. So I love when I get a chance to talk with a pharmacist innovator, someone who's been in the business a while and has a business development background like me, which is where I came from in in pharmacy technology. And uh, I want to introduce to the pharmacy podcast nation, Dr. Nicholas Taros. PharmD. He's Vice President in Business Development of Babson Diagnostics. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd, how's it going? Thank you very much. And it's, it's an honor to be on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. So let's jump into you. Um, I always want to know, you know, what, what got you into pharmacy? What decisions were you making? We know that we did not think we're not thinking the same way today that we were at age 19, 20, 21, uh, when we were making education decisions and choice decisions, but there has to be something that interests you about pharmacy in general. So share with our audience a little bit about yourself. So I, I grew up um, back in, in the Pittsburgh area, um, attended Duquesne for pharmacy school. And, and you know, the, the catalyst to that, um, I've been a pharmacy technician since the age of 16. Um, my, my aunt was a nurse working in long-term care. Um, 
really introduced me to the healthcare space. I, I love science and, and technology. Um, always had, had an affinity for, for healthcare. Um, so she introduced me to, to pharmacy. Um, since then, it, it's kind of been what I've always wanted to do. As my career transitioned, I, I wanted to do more. And how do I have a, a bigger impact? So, you know, I went on, you know, as, as district manager, regional manager, and then those types of things. Um, got some opportunities with, with Target to work in that, that regulatory and, and compliance space uh, to, to really see, you know, how are we talking about our profession? What are those changes coming? And the cool thing was that was right around, you know, 2014 when, when you saw the introduction of star measures and, and, and you know, pharmacists transitioning into being measured on patient outcomes. Um, and then left and went to work as the, the VP of retail operations with, with Healthmart at McKesson. So getting back into that independent space and working with independent owners who might be a little more agile, flexible, um, creating programs, helping them manage their business, um, thinking about what can we do as expanded services and, and health offerings, and really that concept of, of being a health hub and, and one-stop shop for, for all uh, for the customer. And kind of the common thread through my career is, is I wanted to learn how we as pharmacists could do more and, and influence more um, to get better health outcomes for, for patients. That's interesting, Nick. And what I what I value in your background that's uh, you know close to mine as well is our understanding of the Rust Belt impact to healthcare. And I know this is other places in the United States, um, but for you and I, growing up in communities that collapsed because of the steel industry changing and how that had a sociological and economical impact on the health care of a lot of rural areas within Western Pennsylvania. It's significant. It's still echoing Brownsville, Pennsylvania. That's where our studio headquarters is. Um, you know, this community was drastically impacted by the changes, um, which became barriers to health care for this community. This, this, and now this community is rising up. It's, it's picking itself up. It's for the last, 10 years, it's been on the trend where we have downtown development and grant money and it's clean up and the place doesn't even look anything like it did even 10 years ago, which is, is kind of cool. But there are still barriers in, in, in our communities, uh, Nick, you know, that we remember and, and that we're still part of. Um, and then throughout the United States, there's pockets of communities that get impacted and have barriers to health and wellness. And, you know, what are some of those barriers from your, from your perspective? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, you know, from your perspective, right. We, we've seen those barriers up close and personal. Um, it's affected, like you said, the Rust Belt, but, you know, it doesn't, a lot of times when you talk about healthcare barriers, people think it's just rural communities, but it, it, it's also in, in large metro areas as well. Um, and, and sometimes the factors are the same. Sometimes they're different, but, you know, one of the things is, is seeing a provider is, is something that a lot of people take for granted. Um, about a quarter of the U.S. population uh, don't have a primary care physician. Um, I, I hate to be on here as a healthcare provider um, and talking about patient outcomes, but I fall into that category. 
you know, why, why am I part of that category is I often don't have time to, to schedule an appointment when I'm not quite sure what city I'm going to be waking up in three months from now uh, with, with work and, and travel and, and commitments for, for my children and, and whatnot. Um, you know, even though about 90% of my patients had insurance coverage when I was a pharmacist at my local drugstore, um, you know, they had Medicare, Medicaid, but many had limited options to primary care. A lot of them couldn't afford, you know, social economic uh, barriers. They couldn't, couldn't afford care. They couldn't afford their co-pays. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking when you start thinking about the, those, those pieces of the aspects and the affordability of, of healthcare. Um, some patients couldn't take time off of work. Uh, they, they, they didn't have the opportunity to seek healthcare because um, that meant a half day off of work or a full day off of work and they couldn't afford that. Um, many patients at my pharmacy lack transportation or, or, you know, as I, as I doing clinical studies at pharmacies now with Babson, you can, you can see a lot of them don't have a way to, to get to the pharmacy, um, finding an accessible bus route that that'll take you, um, to a healthcare provider or a pharmacy can be a real challenge. So in my opinion, you know, there's no question that poverty, disadvantage, discrimination, lack of education and equal access produce poor health. I think we're all in agreement on that. You know, more than 80% of, of counties across the U.S. lack proper access to the services needed to, to maintain, maintain health, according to analysis from uh, GoodRx Research. Those are some great points that you um, bring up and, and shared. I appreciate that, Nick. Um, I think of you as a pharmacist and understanding it from from even slightly a different perspective, you know, you get, you got an experience in the trenches of pharmacy care as a technician and the things that you did in the interactions that you had with people as a tech really would help to prepare you for even the role you're in today of really understanding now as a pharmacist, adding in the other layer of medication safety and the responsibility that you had as the end all be all medication safety expert so when I think of how your transition happens, it puts you in a position of really even being able to give advice. And, and I'm, I'm kind of, I always want that. I always want to source advice for our pharmacists. So how can a pharmacy, how can pharmacists um, overcome the barriers to care? Uh, I, I think we're uniquely positioned uh, to overcome these barriers and play a more integrated role in our entire healthcare ecosystem, right? We're familiar with with the fact that you know 90, 95% of, of Americans live within five miles of a retail pharmacy and there being you know 67,000 pharmacies out there. Um, I think everyone has heard that stat over and over, but what do we do with that stat? Um, I think that means accessibility. And I don't mean accessibility in, in a way we take care away from another provider but how do we enhance and, and supplement that care and, and, and really, like I said, be integrated um, and, and work co-jointly together? Um, let's take advance, advantage of that proximity and, and, and really enhance and supplement patient care. Um, the other thing is, is you, know, you, you start thinking about 
uh, a survey that was taken back in 2019, they found patients visit their pharmacy an average of 35 times a year. Mm-hmm. That's compared to just four office visits for a provider. So when I think about that proximity and I think about that patient walking through that door, you know, to that retail pharmacy and coming to speak with the technician, the pharmacist, to pick up meds, to ask for advice, to, to, to ask to be counseled on OTCs, or, or, or maybe they're coming because they can't get in for an appointment and they want to show you something and ask you to diagnose them, right? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, that puts us in, in a unique position to meet them where they are on their healthcare journey. I think a lot of times we try to force patients to go get care. Well, let's take care to where they're at. And our, our pharmacy techs, our, our pharmacy staff, our, our pharmacists, they're part of that healthcare journey. And that healthcare journey is landing on your doorstep 35 times a year to influence, to intervene, to, to, to have a coaching and, and counseling session, to put them on a path to, to better health. Um, and, and those numbers are, are pre-pandemic. Um, so I'd love to see what those numbers would be be nowadays. Um, you know, I think, you know, if you think about the pandemic and COVID vaccines, 260 million doses or so were, were given out by, by pharmacies. We, we really had a, a light shined upon us and, and what we were able to accomplish in a very short amount of time in, in, in a state of emergency. Um, you know, patients are, are, are interested in receiving care through through their pharmacies, um, you know, JD Power and Associates, you know, did, did a survey on patients, and, and not only are they looking for vaccines, but they're looking for other healthcare opportunities at their pharmacies, such as physical exams, routine lab testing, um, you know, and, and that's that whole suite of extended services that I think we can break down that barrier because because we're a, a stop thirty five times a year on their their healthcare journey. Um, so I, I think we need to use pharmacies and, and pharmacists and that pharmacy staff to help doctors get that diagnostic information they need to make very important healthcare decisions with their patients to coach, counsel, and, and intervene to deliver the outcomes that we want for our patients. So now uh, we're, we're at the stage where we're like, okay, I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I have this technology background. I, I understand pharmacy from the inside out. Now I get a, an opportunity to work for a, a, a major independent community uh, leader in pharmacy through Health Mart, which that, that's just amazing in what they're doing to empower communities as healthcare destinations. And now... Babson enters the picture. Babson Diagnostics. So, why did you join Babson? Because I that when I found out about Babson, I was so excited. Um, I almost became like a stalker of Eric um, and <laughs> Eric Olson and some of his team members and the website and uh, your whole team's amazing, by the way. And I was so excited because I knew what was going to happen. I knew that when this finally comes full out ready to go in the in the trained and 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 supported and staffed the impact that that's going to have to communities of being able to to go to your local community pharmacy uh, or or a or 
or a pharmacy that you wanted to that you've partnered with or Babson starts to grow out their entire um, you know supportive network of of thousands hundreds of, you know of of different types of pharmacy including long-term care um, that, that are out there for for our seniors so why did you join Babson diagnostics oh you know first thank, thanks for that excitement and, and passion that, that you talked about uh, Babson with you know and and kind of that same excitement and passion that, that you felt upon hearing about Babson. I felt as well, Todd, um, you know, for me, it was kind of, a kind of connected to me on a, a deeply personal level. And, you know, I don't know if you read the, the drugstore news article, but, um, my father passed away from, from leukemia and my dad was the rough and rugged kind of guy that, you know, just rubbed some dirt on it. Uh, if Robitussin couldn't take care of it, it wasn't a problem. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, he, he didn't go to a healthcare provider for years and years and years until he was hospitalized. Um, and we found out he had leukemia and, you know, to me, a simple routine blood test on an annual wellness visit could have caught this and, and maybe, you know, it wouldn't have been too late for treatments to, to work. And maybe he'd, he'd still be here, here today. Um, you know, so when I thought about, oh my God, they're, they're, they're taking healthcare and a process that is painful. And I don't mean painful from it causes bodily harm. I mean, painful from scheduling, taking time off, going to a patient service center, like all those things that make it just difficult because it's not on my healthcare journey and they're bringing it to where the patients at got me truly excited um, and having a way for preventative care to be more convenient, more accessible, just it, it struck a chord with me. Um, you know, and throughout my career, as I mentioned, I, I've always been thinking about how can we do better? How can we be faster? How can we be more agile? How can we be more nimble and, and what can we do to, to improve healthcare? And, and that's really what my career has been, been focused on as we talked about earlier. So retail pharmacies are really well positioned to, to increase that access to diagnostic services, um, you know, such as routine blood testing and, and annual wellness visits. Um, you know, a really cool thing about Babson too is all of our clinical studies, every clinical study that we've done, whether that's for clinical equivalents or it's a customer preference study, all of them are done inside retail pharmacy using our retail partners, staff members in the pharmacy. Um, that gives me a great opportunity to connect with pharmacists and, and technicians and, and even customers on, on how they view our service. So I think, you know, there's lots of complexities in the in the world of retail, um, community, long-term care, pharmacy. There's lots of different complexities. And, and I think of the processes, workflow, um, the time that you get to have with a with a with a person looking for assistance um, might be ancillary. Um, it might be com comorbid where they have multiple things happening in their lives as as diabetes is a is a major issue. And so when I think of blood testing, I'm like, that's why I got excited. That's why you got excited, Nick. You knew the impact that this would have. But why would a pharmacy team want to offer blood testing to patients in the first place? 
you know, first let's start off with pharmacy team members have a lot on their plate with, with the pandemic and, and being able to do more and, and that whole transition that we talked about being able to practice at the top of our license and do more, that there's tons of stuff going on at the pharmacy and, and you know, the COVID pandemic hit, hit them hard. They're busy with vaccines and, and testing and there's a lot of competing priorities out there. But we also know the pharmacy teams want to operate at the top of their license. They want to do more, but they want it to be meaningful. And they want meaningful clinical programs to offer to their patients. Um, our, our blood testing service enables them to, to have that meaningful program. Uh, blood testing is, is the cornerstone of preventative care. 70% of medical decisions are based on a lab test. Right. And what are those results from that test? Yet our research shows that one in five insured adults have insurance, don't receive routine blood testing and or primary care visits. Accurate quality blood testing offers numerous and countless health benefits. Uh, it helps identify uh, developing health problems. It helps guide timely clinical care, as well as help patient and providers make informed decisions about their healthcare needs, whether that's diet, lifestyle modifications, exercise. Routine blood testing also is critical, you know, like I, I said, in the prevention of, of diseases. But think about the management of chronic disease states. How great would it be if I'm sitting there having you know, an MTM with a patient or, or CMR with a patient, and, and I'm able to pull out diagnostic information that shows your drug therapy, your lifestyle modifications, the whole plan that we put together to improve your health as a diabetic, because we're following ADA guidelines and testing your AC twice, every six months, twice a year. And, and we show that, that, that your A1C actually came down. Imagine the kind of impact that they, that would have on a patient. Right now, they don't see that because they're not receiving their blood tests, right? And here, I'm having a conversation saying, trust me, believe in me, and, and it's working for some patients, but not all. But if I could have true diagnostic evidence that the plan your physician scoped out for you and I partnered with and helped you on that path is working, um, we can have some great health outcomes with patients. Nikki referenced something that I'm very proud of, of our pharmacist, and that is, um, you know, JD Powers has done customer service um, and, and trust of the public and really digging down from the surveys that they gather to find out who is trusted in healthcare. And pharmacists are in the, you know, in the top three, if not sometimes, uh, shuffling between our amazing nurses that are out there. So I get it. I get why the trust level will be there for pharmacists to implement blood testing. But I want to see things from the from the person, from the consumer, and from the patient's perspective. So in your opinion, why, why would a patient trust a pharmacy for blood testing? Why wouldn't they? <laughs> You know, you're in and you're out, as you mentioned, pharmacists are at the top of the list as the most trusted professionals. So, so my question is, why, why wouldn't they, you know, trust their pharmacist for a blood test? Um, but, you know, I, I think there's some other 
other evidence with our company that, that, that we put out there um, for, for patients to feel feel better about it as well. So it's not just trusting a pharmacist, but trusting in Babson itself. Um, we have an exclusive partnership with Beck and Dickinson. You know, they're a leader in blood collection technology um, for our collection device. And, and I think that brings a, a lot of credibility. Uh, BD has developed a new state-of-the-art uh, capillary collection device that, that really allows us to collect small volume laboratory quality specimens without sacrificing quality, without sacrificing accuracy, and the number of tests that, that are possible off, off our small sample. Um, and importantly, the collection device is, is easy to use, um, and any member of the pharmacy staff can, can collect blood from, from patients and, and be trained on this device. We've put years of thought and studies into the offering, and you mentioned Eric Olson, our CRO and founder, uh, our CEO, David Stein. They're, they're veterans of, of blood collections, laboratory, and diagnostics. This isn't you know, a, a tech company trying to disrupt an industry. These are professionals from the lab, blood collection, and diagnostic injury, I'm sorry, industry, saying, how can we make this better? We have to do better. We have to be better for our patients. And how can we do that? Because too many people aren't getting tested. Um, it's becoming too difficult, you know, to, to, to manage health outcomes, in a fashion that, that is accurate, accessible, easy, providing the quality that patients need. Um, you know, and we've, we've reimagined this process from end to end and literally thought about every step of this process to ensure it is seamless integration in the pharmacy workflow and it's seamless for, for the patient interaction at the pharmacy. Uh, we're also doing a lot of clinical studies in, in retail pharmacies right now. Our, our preference studies are overwhelmingly show that patients prefer the, the Babson method uh, for reimagined blood testing over your traditional acupuncture method. So I, I got to experience a collection and your staff was amazing. And the experience for me with the hand warmer and the whole the whole experience was not only surprising um, because I hate the thought of giving blood and um, I'm not a fan. And if I could give blood through this Babson diagnostics technology and format and process and like I would I'd do it more often. I don't know when you're how often you're supposed to do it, once a year, twice a year. I mean, I'm I'm ready. I'm I, I would I don't care. I mean, the the experience was cool. I'm not like I'm going out there trying to get my my finger, you know, pricked every day, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it was the last time that I had it done at the traditional, you know, place where, you know, the, the old fashioned way of, of doing uh, blood testing, uh, unlike what, what Babson uh, and the team has come up with. So how do you envision training and onboarding for our pharmacy staff, which is, I think is critical in, in rolling this out to communities? Yeah, and, and before I go into the training, you mentioned something that was that was funny there. It reminded me of something, Todd. You, you said you went through the Babson experience, and it was cool. Um, yeah, I had um, a clinical study subject that that walked out after getting her test, and it was <clears throat> up in the Northeast, and it was cold out, and she put her coat on an end cap at a retail pharmacy, and. Uh, 
he's sitting there getting ready and it was me, David Stein, our CEO and our head of strategy, head of strategy, Vicente Armendariz. And she hangs her coat up and she's putting her papers away and she puts her coat on and she goes, wow, that was really cool. And I had no idea we were standing there. So that's twice now that, that someone was like, we went through the experience and said, wow, that was really cool. Um, when's the last time you've ever heard someone go give blood and come back and go, hey, that was really cool. Um, so it's, it's, it's awesome that, that people are thinking of that way. But, but back to your training question, you know, I, I think we know people learn in a lot of different ways. So, so we're being really cognizant of that. And we offer a multifaceted approach and, and, and have a, a mix uh, of materials, videos, on-site, hands-on training. Um, so, so we can really cover that spectrum of how, how folks learn. Um, you know, the practical hands-on training um, at our clinical studies with, with our retail pharmacies uh, is really fun to, to see. And we've received some great feedback on it. It takes less than two hours. Um, you know, one of the things that they have to have is bloodborne pathogens and, and most of your pharmacy staff now, um, you know, thanks to Alex Adams. I think Alex was the first one in Idaho uh, pre pandemic that allowed pharmacy technicians to give van vaccines. So, so hats off to you, Alex. Thanks for, for starting that, that trend. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, having bloodborne pathogens, um, you know, if they already have that, it, it takes hour, hour and 15 minutes uh, for, for our training. Um, you know, it involves, it'll continue to evolve as we get feedback from our partners and, and how they like to do training with, with their staffs as well. Um, in our recent clinical study, um, our last 10 collection techs. Now, remember, these collection techs are our retail partners, employees, you know, pharmacy technicians at, at that retail partner. Um, after training, the first attempt is always the scary one. When you're actually sitting down, you have a clinical study subject in front of you. That's when all the nerves come out. Our, our last 10 uh, trained technicians from our retail partner had a successful collection on, on our first attempt. Um, so, so our training you know, kind of validates our training and shows that our training is, is working. Um, within the next month, we're, we're releasing new training materials to, to simplify and, and streamline you know, the whole collection workflow um, this will coincide with the release of uh, what I'd call build two of our, our sample collection preparation device. Um, it has more intuitive features that will help guide the collection tech through the process. Um, to, to the listeners, if you're at Health, we'll, we'll have a booth there. Please, please come visit. Um, would welcome anyone that, that is attending Health uh, to come check us out and, and see the the. Bapsin method versus the, the traditional venipuncture method. Um, and, and we intend to offer multiple options for training. Um, you know, for new pharmacy teams, you know, we really want to provide flexibility that includes, you know, trainings that are fully done by, by the Bapsin staff, all the way to offering a, a train the trainer program. So someone at that retailer, we would train as, as a trainer and they would be able to go on and, and train new hires or new stores that, that come on board with us. Um, so, so really looking at it kind of end to end for, for training aspect of it from the learning experience all the way to how are our retail partners doing training today and, and what would they want to offer our staff or their staff with us.
pharmacists and, and pharmacy technicians should, you know, do what they do best and focus on that customer and that patient that's in front of them. Let Babson worry about being the blood testing experts, um, you know, and, and being the lab. So I think of opportunities for pharmacies um, for multiple reasons. I, I like seeing pharmacists and pharmacies succeed in their communities. I bring me joy when I was in long-term care pharmacy technology and I'd hear about how workflow uh, helped um, the relationship between the pharmacy, you know, the, the, the pharmacy provider and the, in the nursing home that was being served. And, and then obviously that, that trickles down into better pharmacy care. And so, you know, we know that adherence is, is an issue um, in, in sometimes the follow-up with uh, staying on track uh, with your health care is also an issue. Um, lots of people don't, you know, follow up per se and what they're supposed to do. I remember walking out with a, a slip from my physician and I'm supposed to go get my blood test. And sure enough, I missed one because I never, number one, I didn't want to do it. Um, number two, it, it, you know, I, I didn't follow up so that, so if you have a patient in front of you, if you have a patient in a healthcare destination, a customer in your, um, in your location, and you have an opportunity to offer something that makes access to care and access to blood testing easier, that in and of itself, I think is a huge benefit, obviously to this. But when I turn in towards the thinking as a pharmacy owner or a pharmacy district manager or a pharmacy manager, you know, someone that's trying to scale these services, I think of other opportunities that are now being presented uh, to the pharmacy and the relationship between their patients and community. So what, are the, what, what will the Babson services do for pharmacies beyond just the service itself? Well, I think initially, um, and it's most simple form, right? Offering blood testing is going to increase opportunities for more patient conversations, right? It's, it's going to connect us with the patient in a different way, a different manner, a different form, as we mentioned with MTMs or uh, being able to have a, a deeper conversation, right? I think also changing that experience for a customer, um, an experience that hasn't changed in 70 years, and, and giving them a better experience um, is also going to help that that retailer and pharmacy's reputation, right? I think on a broader level, blood testing deepens your relationships with patients and providers. You know, I think that can lead to more collaboration to close gaps in care. Um, you know, blood testing can often prove that medication adherence is working. You know, if you think about medication adherence, Todd. It's, it's it's a reactive measure, right? Oh, great. Todd didn't take his medication. Now we know his therapy isn't working. Um, I got to get him back on his medication. Whereas, you know, a blood test can be preventative. We can see things going wrong. We can see where you're at. If you're doing it routinely, now I can manage disease states. Um, you know, and I think you know, that can lead to, to positive conversations. You can even tell if adherence is working, right? If it is a patient that's adherent and they're getting a routine blood test, you can see if, if that therapy is working for the patient and, and kind of the proof is in the pudding. I, I also foresee opportunities for, for clinical offerings, right? You have 
offerings now like vaccines to, to employer groups. Well, a lot of employer groups now are, are offering biometric screenings. This could be another suite of services that you stack into that opportunity and can offer biometric screenings to employer groups along with your vaccines. Um, personal, personalized nutraceuticals. Um, yep. You can have diagnostic results to run a diabetic program. You can have lab um, results consultations. You know, we, we can look at statin use and diabetes and, and how do we close that gap in care um, through getting diagnostic results. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunities on, on the clinical front um, that, that you can make your program that you already have more robust, as well as create new programs and offerings to patients. Nick, I want to echo what you said a little earlier, HLTH, Las Vegas 2022. What an amazing conference, uh, an opportunity to be there with the Babson team again in your booth um, is going to be very exciting. So if you're listening to this um, podcast and you're going, please make it, um, make it a priority just to stop by and say hi to us, ask questions, um, uh, you know, just... Hey, we, we can talk Pittsburgh stuff. If you're from Pittsburgh, it's even better. <laughs> so um, regardless, I'm excited, Nick, to be working with your team again. Um, it's been a joy to be part of this because I'm personally excited of the impact that this is going to have on, on pharmacies, community pharmacies, our retail pharmacies, other pharmacies that we're going to grow into. I'm not going to stop connecting the dots too. So expect to hear from me and, and bringing um, possible opportunities to work with our um, pharmacy associations are our, our state associations that need to be brought up to speed into uh, reimagining uh, what blood testing should be like. And this is exciting. So I'm glad that we're part of it. I'm very proud to be a part of it. And we can't wait to talk to you again, Nick, because you are a plethora of information that I want to tap into. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Todd, and, and the whole Pharmacy Podcast Network team. It's, it's always a pleasure catching up with you and, and having a conversation. It's always an honor to be on the show. So greatly appreciate you having me today. Thanks, Nick. We'll talk to you soon.